Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Friday, January 29th, 2021. God versus idols. That is a showdown that we see really all throughout the pages of Scripture. And more than that, it is a showdown that we see in hearts and minds right here, right now, today. People struggle really with choosing, are they going to believe, love, and serve the God of the Bible, the only true God, or is there something else that will capture their heart and their affections? We're going to see that battle really played out in the pages of the book of Exodus today as we really get into the midst of the 10 plagues. We'll be looking at chapters 8 and 9 and plagues 2 through 7. And one thing we need to understand about these plagues that we might not just get reading through the text is that many of these plagues were a direct assault, a direct attack on the pagan gods of Egypt. And we realized that the Egyptian society was a very polytheist society where they worshipped many different deities, many different gods. And even in these plagues and the, the things that are affected, whether it's the river, whether it's the frogs or the gnats, the flies, all these different things, they are really highlighting that these gods of the Egyptians are powerless and that the god of The Hebrews, the God of the Israelites, is the one true God. And even we see moments where these uh, magicians, right, or people that served these pagan gods or advised Pharaoh were able to try to duplicate some of these things. And it doesn't really explain how they did that, whether that was through sleight of hand or really just trickery, or whether there was some kind of demonic spiritual power that they were expressing. But we see clearly they cannot stop what God is doing. That God is clearly showing his superiority over the idols of the land of Egypt. And he wants everyone to get this. He wants people to know that he is God. And he wants people to see the result of these plagues that they would know that God is above all gods. And even this is God's purpose for Pharaoh. In chapter 9, verse 16, he says, But for this purpose, I have raised you up to show my power so that my name may be proclaimed in all the earth. God wants them to see how great he is. God wants them to see that he is the one true God. And so we even also see that God starts separating the people of Israel from the Egyptians in many of these plagues where the effects are not felt by the people of Israel. And so God is clearly demonstrating his superiority. Now, here I think we need to bridge some of the cultural context from what we are reading to what we are experiencing in our own lives. We do not live in a polytheistic society quite in the way that the Egyptians did. We don't see this widespread prevalent worship of other deities or gods. While we do see some false religions, it doesn't look that way. But does that mean that we don't see idolatry today? Absolutely. We still see idolatry all over the place. It it might not be a literal statue or 
some God with some mythological powers that people are worshiping, but many people today are really truly worshiping something other than the one true God. And this is where we still see this competition raging of God versus idols. But we also, if we are honest, need to understand that God is still greatly superior to anything that people might be tempted to idolize. He still is the one true God. But we still see people responding not the way that they should. We still see many people responding like Pharaoh. And we see this interesting, really, interaction between him and God in this process with Pharaoh's own heart, where even today we see sometimes where it's very passive and it's just Pharaoh's heart is hardened. And other times where we see Pharaoh is hardening his heart. And even we begin to see God hardening Pharaoh's heart. And all of that is working together to accomplish God's purpose. But I think these scriptures even hold Pharaoh very accountable for his actions. And those that reject God today to serve and to worship and to follow idols, again, they might not be statues or mythological gods, but they are following something other than God. Uh, They are accountable for those actions as well. And I want us to even just see a couple things that many people still do today as they wrestle in their own hearts, as they are divided between following God and following their own desires and the idols of their own heart. And one of those things is compromise. We see at one point, Pharaoh makes a suggestion and he says, go in chapter eight, verse 25, he says, go sacrifice to your God within the land. So he's trying to, hey, let, let's meet in the middle here. Why don't you go and sacrifice to God, but don't go anywhere. Do it within the land. And how many times today do people seek to compromise? They have a, a idolatry in their heart and they want to try to find some compromise between the idol in their heart and following God. They try to have it both ways. That happens very often today. And that's something that we all need to be aware of in our own hearts of times where we might try to compromise. We might try to say, you know what? I can follow the world and I can follow God at the same time. Uh, Another thing that we see here from Pharaoh that's uh, not the right way to handle this battle between God and idols is really a false repentance, a false repentance. We see that especially at the end of chapter nine in response to this plague, this devastating plague of the hail. And in verse 27, it says, then Pharaoh sent and called Moses and Aaron and said to them, this time I have sinned. The Lord is in the right and I and my people are in the wrong. That sounds good, right? And he says to plead with God to take this plague away. But then what we see as, as soon as it stops, verse 34, but when Pharaoh saw that the rain and the hail and the thunder had ceased, he sinned yet again and hardened his heart, he and his servants. And so we see as soon as the consequence goes away, uh, the repentance goes away. And that's another thing that we see often today that many people, oh, I am sorry, I have done the wrong thing. But what's driving the sorrow? Is it really that they have offended God? Or even are they sorrowful that why am I wasting my time with idols instead of pursuing the one true God? No, many times it's, well, I got caught in my idolatry and now it's causing problems in my life. So I am sorry. And as soon as those problems and those consequences go away, go away, we go right back to our idolatry. 
And so I want to challenge you today, if you are listening to this podcast, and challenge you to consider that there is a battle going on in your own heart, often between God and between idols. And you are going to be tempted to compromise. And you're going to be tempted to be sorry, but for the wrong reasons. And there might even be some of you listening today that this is really the state of your life. You have never actually forsaken your idols. A biblical word for that would be repentance. You have never turned from your idols and and your selfishness or your own way of doing things to put your faith in God uh, through the gospel and through his son, Jesus Christ, because your life has been defined by compromise. I mean, if you're listening to this podcast, I'm guessing you in some way associate yourself with Christianity, but some of you, you have never fully left your idols behind. You are right now trying to have it both ways. And may Exodus be a warning to you that it does not work. It cannot work. It will never work. You cannot have God and hold on to your idols. And maybe that has shown itself even in your life in a false repentance, maybe even a pattern of that where your idols get you in trouble. And when that happens, there are tears and there's confession. But as soon as the consequence goes away, you're right back at it. That is not biblical repentance. That's that's worldly grief where we're sorry for the consequences. We're not sorry that we've offended God. And even if that's you today, I would plead with you that your idols are never going to get it done. The, The false things that you are looking to to satisfy your heart, they'll never work. Only God can do that. Only God can satisfy our hearts. Only God uh, can give hope and life and, and peace and meaning. And only God can set us free from the bondage of our sin. So don't mess around with idols. Whenever the competition is between God and idols, God is always going to win. Let's make sure that's true in our own hearts as well. As we look at these other passages today, one theme that really arises is that God is calling us to proclaim his name and God is going to provide. Whenever we are seeking to honor and follow God, God will provide and he will protect. We start by seeing that in Acts chapter 9, where we pick up the story of Saul, who has been transformed by this vision he sees on the road to Damascus. And now he is preaching Christ as the Messiah. And very instantly, that gets him in trouble. People don't like that he is now saying that Christ is the Messiah. And twice, as we look at Acts chapter 9, verses 20 through 31, we see Saul have to run away. In Damascus, they're literally watching the city gates so that they might kill him. So they let him through an opening in the wall and lower him in a basket. And then when he goes back to Jerusalem, again, they're trying to kill him. So they, they send him off to his hometown. And so we see, even in those moments, Saul instantly gets, if I'm going to follow Christ, that means I need to proclaim Christ. And that puts him in danger right away, but God protects it. We also see a similar principle in Matthew chapter 10, verses 1 through 15. And in this moment, Jesus is specifically training his 12 disciples who are listed there in the beginning of the passage to go out and do gospel ministry. He gives them power to do miracles, and he obviously gives them a message to proclaim. That they are to proclaim in verse 7, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. 
And so he gives them this mission, but he also promises that he will provide. It's interesting in verses nine and 10, he gives them some specific instructions about not acquiring money and not to bring a bag and only bring one tunic. Don't bring extra sandals or an extra staff. And they're very interesting. And I don't think that some of these principles are true for all Christian ministers across all time, that everybody doing ministry can't, you know, have a backup or or something like that. I think these were very specific instructions given to this specific group for this specific time for a specific purpose. And I think what Jesus was trying to teach them was, I will provide for you. Because each of these apostles is going to go on to do ministry after Jesus, is di- after Jesus dies. And even most of them will give their lives in that ministry. But Jesus is trying to make the point now, you will always be able to trust me to provide. And we know that even when Christians are martyred, that's an example of God providing. Because God has provided for us the solution to death itself. That even death itself should not be something that we fear, and it's even something that God can use to multiply ministry. And so we see here him trying to teach his disciples that they can trust him to meet their needs. And we see God providing as we continue on in Psalm 18 today. In Psalm 18, remember yesterday, David talks about how God is his rock, his refuge, his redeemer. And he talks about a time when he was in need and he prays to God. And in dramatic fashion, God opens up the heavens and comes down and and he saves him. And that's what we see the end of that picture in verses 13 through 15. So we look at verses 13 through 19 today, uh, that God comes and it's almost that he, you know, he parts the ocean to save David. In verse 16, he says, he sent from on high, he took me, he drew me out of many waters. He rescued me from my strong enemy and from those who hated me for they were too mighty for me. And in verse 19, he says, he brought me out into a broad place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. And he says before that, that the Lord was his support. And so we see that we can always lean on God, especially as we are seeking to serve him. We can trust that he will provide and he will protect because unlike idols in this world and in our lives, God has the power. And so we go forth to serve him because we trust him. We know that he is the one true God. He can provide for us. He can protect us. So let's go and let's use our time to serve the Lord and to proclaim his message. Thanks for digging into God's word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.